of Hey Mama. We talk all things motherhood and female empowerment. I'm joined here by Leonie today from the Parenthood Podcast. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be a guest on uh, Leonie's podcast last week. So I'm super excited to have Leonie on here uh, because I thought her uh, story was equally as important. Uh, so thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> now, you're also a property developer um, in Melbourne and you have two toddler boys. Now you have this uh, Parenthood podcast. It's 40, 50 episodes in. Am I right? Yeah, 40, a bit over 40 now. So okay. <laughs> Amazing. So what made you uh, decide to take on the Parenthood podcast as well as already being so busy yourself? Yeah, it's a good question, uh, particularly when I had my second baby at six weeks and then decided to start the podcast then. That, that's a really good idea. Of <laughs> <laughs> Such a great um, idea. Why not? Well, you know, yeah, absolutely. Well, what else are you going to do with my time? Um, so, yeah, look, I love to have a full cup and sometimes that's probably my biggest downfall as well. I put a lot of pressure on myself and have huge expectations and sometimes they're not overly realistic. Um, and then, you know, I end up in a, you know, in burnout state. So that's something I'm really, really mindful of. But the reason why I started the podcast was because I was actually suffering um, with both pregnancies. I had prenatal depression and then had postnatal as well. And I think at the time I didn't even realize it was depression, but I just knew something just wasn't right. I wasn't myself. I wasn't looking forward to the bubs, you know, all the the feels that you're meant you're meant to get I felt as though I wasn't getting them um, so I was looking for a resource that I could listen to that you know was sort of someone talking from the perspective that I was sitting in you know I wanted to hear the challenges about parenthood just not not all the fancy stuff you see on Instagram with the fabulous mums you know you know baby on the hip like how fabulous I've got my little accessory sidekick now <laughs> I'm like that's not what I'm feeling I want to hear the real stuff and so there are some fabulous uh, podcasts out there for mums. Um, and But one thing I found was I wanted to hear stories and I'm a bit of a storyteller. So mm. where I was, I was looking a lot at other podcasts that were like, you know, this is a nutrition expert jumping on or, you know, a fitness expert and this is what you should do, you know, from those perspectives. And I think that's fantastic. I guess I was looking for, yeah, those really dark secrets, what's mm. happening behind closed doors to normalise what I was feeling. So I decided to create the podcast. Yeah, I love that so much. I absolutely love that so much because it's real people. And even if they're in, but it's also professionals being real, exactly. not being the facade. And like we talked about on your podcast last week, the pressure that you put on yourself to upkeep that facade. So would you say that your anxiety or, or post or prenatal depression started when you were pregnant? I'd say is that so. what you mean? Is that yeah, what you're saying? That you weren't definitely. looking forward to all those that's, things? Yeah, that's right. And look, to be fair, I think I've always had an underlying issue with anxiety my whole life, which has probably gone undiagnosed. Um, a bit of background on me. My parents, uh, well, essentially immigrants. My mum was born uh, in Australia. She's of Greek heritage and they left when she was five years old and lived in Greece from then on. So when she oh, came yeah. 
back to Australia. It was kind of like she was new to the country, even though she was born here. Um, My dad's Nigerian and he came from a village in Africa and basically had next to nothing. So, um, and my mum came from that working class Greek background. Um, They met in Greece, um, two people who didn't have much and were really had big dreams. And so I think for them, you know, that work ethic in me certainly stems from them. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes the anxiety I feel is because, you know, I grew up in an environment where they were working ruthlessly to try and, you know, build something they had next to nothing. I mean, my dad would say in the village in Africa, they were able to have rice once a week. And that was known as a bit of a luxury in his sort of hut, essentially. So, you know, we're talking extremes here from where we're sitting today in, you know, nice homes in Australia. Yeah. I think that's why my drive is, you know, pretty next level because I think I've come from that background and hearing a lot of stories of, you know, extreme poverty really. Um, And my parents have been able to build a property development business from the ground up for the last few years, but there was a lot of work involved obviously to get there. So um, I certainly, yeah, I think that's where the drive comes from. And sometimes I think that's where my anxiety stems from as well, because, um, you know, my childhood was, was, was a good childhood, but certainly, um, you know, they were just very work focused. Yeah. And very like, they would be struggling uh, all the time to yeah. build, build, build. And Correct. then, yeah, you feel that too, as a child, even though, you know, parents and, and even myself, I'm probably guilty of it with having two kids myself and building a business. Um, you try to, to not worry them or you try to keep them out of it, but they pick up on that sort of stuff, don't they? You pick up on every, every little action that's monkey see, monkey do. And so unintentionally, and I know my elder, she picks up on my my anxiety, my vibe, and she picks up those traits as well. Yeah. So, yes, Um Tell me a little bit about the, even you had the anxiety, but when you, um, when you were suffering with the prenatal depression, so you didn't know back then, and when did you start to realise? Yeah. What were the signs? Uh, for a bit of context, I um, we were looking to fall pregnant within about a year, and I thought, you know what, I'm about a year off from even really, you know, re- being ready for the bub. So mm-hmm. I think I'll get off the pill now, and I've yeah. been on the pill for eight years. So my body's probably going to need six months to recalibrate and all of that. Um, the pregnancy actually happened quite quickly um, to the point where we had a wedding booked in Greece. We'd gone over, we'd paid deposits and everything. And then I came back to Australia, found out I was pregnant. So my child was actually at my wedding, but (laughs) the point is, and what a blessing, but at the same time, misorganized, you know, type A over here who likes things structured and, you know, all of that, it threw me for a loop and I felt extremely grateful. However, I felt caught off guard and I I thought that's all it was I I, I guess I didn't really think it was depression per se but it started off with me just being a bit overwhelmed by the whole idea of being pregnant and then it started turning into more um, changes in my mood being really flat crying but not being able to explain why and I'm not a crier so I'd lie in bed sometimes tears are streaming out of my eyes my husband Jules is like "Well, well what's wrong and I and I was just like I don't know. I'm just terrified. I'm so terrified of having a baby. I'm so terrified of my life changing. I I like to know what's going to happen next. And I I can't 
foresee how this is going to even work. And I'm so grateful yet. And then I'm guilty for not, you know, for being sad because I should be grateful. And so many people, you know, some people have really, you know, long struggles in trying to fall pregnant. So, and then that, so there was that negative chat. Oh, who do you think you are, Leonie? Then look, why are you upset? You should be like, singing off the rooftops and here you are having a little cry over absolutely nothing so I've got that harsh critic in me as well so it was really compounded and to the point where yeah I just I literally felt in a haze my whole pregnancy it was um and that's when only coming out of that did I realize oh my god that's what that was for me it was prenatal depression yeah it's interesting um because a lot of us mums would just think oh that's hormones uh, and there's got to be, um, you know, like there's, it's just, it's just hormones. It's so, like you've obviously got like a big injection of the hormones and it's taking over you and all that kind of thing. Because I think about that too. And I think about how I used to lie in, in bed crying and stuff, but I had a lot of stress as well. Um, and uh, yeah, like you have a lot of stress going on while the pregnancy and you do worry a lot. And so when you had your first bub, mm. you had the post, then you had postnatal depression and yeah. how would you describe the postnatal depression? Yeah, for me, it was high anxiety and also mm-hmm. anger. So that's yeah. how it presented. I was furious. Like if anything, you know, you know, anyone said anything and I had one or two Barneys with my family <laughs> where they're like, whoa, just chill. And then after the fact, I went, oh my gosh, that again, that's what it was. It was unreasonable, irrational yeah. anger. Yeah. Um, and also me wanting to control every facet of, you know, this child's life, maybe yeah. and I couldn't control the sleep and I couldn't control this and everything was annoying and I couldn't breastfeed properly. And that's, and now I'm angry. And so I'm not sitting there, you know, that didn't ebb and flow. And I guess to your point, how do you know if it's kind of hormones and just general life changes versus an actual depression? And I think mm. for me, it was a consistent state of mind. And so I guess for those listening, if you're feeling like you're having that consistent waking up in the morning and being like, I just don't, I don't care for today. Yeah. I can't be staffed. And, and it's funny because we spoke at the start about my drive and it, everything has to be, you know, a hundred percent. And I really push myself. So to go from that extreme to, oh, I don't yeah, even yeah. know if I want to get up, like what difference does it make? I'm over it. Like that's where, mm. and it was consistently like that. That's when you can start seeing the signs. Yeah, that's a really good point from going from that extreme to being like, I get up and I go and I do this and I do that and I achieve goals and this, that and the other to then going, I don't really feel like getting up or you feel sad to get up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And how how did the baby, re- how did your firstborn react to, to that? Would you say that they were easy baby? Would you say that they're a hard baby? Like how did this all transpire? So I like to think that I am good at hiding my feelings and to the point where like, like I like to think that. So and I'm I, laughing because it's like looking in a mirror right now. Yeah, is it? Yeah. And look, I grew up in an environment where, as I said, my parents were pretty stressed a lot of the time, really. And a lot of it was financial stress. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I'm the eldest of three. So I didn't want to put extra burden on them. So my own problems, I kept very quiet, quiet to myself. And I always just plastered a smile on my face. And I was the peacemaker in the house. Can I just, how can I make mum's life easier? Dad's life easier? How can I, you know? And so it was never really. Oh, yeah, you took that on. I yeah. took that on. And so you become so good at what you're used to in your default setting. So, 
even down the track, I mean, having the prenatal and postnatal, most people outside of my family would have had no idea. Like I could yeah. last with a smile on, get to work, mm. get shit done, and then, you know, come home and then fall to pieces again. But I'm very good at that. So I thought that I was potentially hiding it from my child too <laughs> in the okay. way that like I didn't like yell. Like I was always just really mindful of how I was acting around the child. But I think implicitly obviously the baby is yep. going to feel your vibe right so definitely for me yeah. both children I ended up in sleep school with because they just didn't sleep great I wouldn't say they were the worst sleepers but it just almost like that erratic up and down up and down which you know maybe it was just the baby or maybe it also was a little bit of my stuff kind of mm, going coming through, through. Yeah. and for me look sleep school was the was the best outcome for someone like myself I wanted structure I wanted routine and I wanted someone to tell me how to do it so I could get an A plus in sleeping and move on with my life you know <laughs> But I'm that type of person. So, so that worked, right? And I, they taught me how to do it. And then I followed the routine and that was great. But all in all, my children, I was very fortunate in that they didn't cry a lot. They didn't sort of have colic or, you know, other things that mm, okay. it was the, yeah. sleep. the sleep was the biggest thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm asking that from um, from my point of view as well, because of what I went through. And the more and more I reflect, um, and the more and more I talked and have these real conversations with mums and what we've been through, you do realize that, yeah, like your, your stress levels are high, then their stress levels are going to be high as well. And then, you know, in my instance, I was blaming the baby. But yeah. now when I, when I, you know, think about those times, I was like, no, 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 no. There was some stuff going on in my head and my heart that she was picking up, that she was so, she was terrified to be with anyone else because she felt like, oh, I'm not going to go away from mum because this is just um, too, I don't know, too, you know, scary or unusual or whatever. I'm just going to stay in this state. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's um, I like to ask those sort of questions about the sleep and, and, and also how it affects the baby's behaviour and attitude and, and all that kind of thing. So then do you think with the second one, because uh, you did say you had it worse with the second one, is that because you kind of uh, pre-anticipated what's to come? Yeah, look, I think I thought, okay, I've got this second time around. God, like, you know, this will be easy. And even the birth, I remember you saying um, your birth for the second time around was quite quick. Might be yeah. very quick, actually, but my one was quite quick too. Um, I think it wasn't, it was, I, I say it was worse, but it was probably just different in the way that the, the same things that would challenge me as a first time mum, I didn't have that, but I was more angry at myself for feeling down I was like come on Leone get on with it you've already had you you know what to expect why are you still not feeling a hundred percent so it's probably mm. more the second time around was more the inner critic coming to play and being like you know why are you so angry for like just just get over it move on be happy you've got a healthy baby what the hell is mm. wrong with you so it's all I think that stuff came into play whereas the first time around it was I'm scared I'm terrified I don't even want to leave the house I'm scared. like how am I even going to put them in the pram how am I going to do it's just too hard I just want to be in a dark room with my child and just that's it so it was more the anxiety or and being of being terrified versus mm. the second time round, just being angry at myself I think a lot of the time as well and because you said you put a lot of pressure uh, on yourself to not burden your family 
you could did you ever have a conversation with your mom and um and say hey is this normal or did you have a conversation with anyone and say hey this is or did you feel like you couldn't because you're being so hard on yourself going you shouldn't feel this way and you shouldn't 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 and get on with it did you feel like you couldn't open up to somebody yeah, I, to, it's interesting you say that because I don't think I ever, ra- you know, raised it with anyone as an issue, like, or as mm. to receive any guidance. To be fair, when I was in it, I probably didn't even want to own that I was in it. I was like, whatever, get on with it, get the job done. I was very lucky. I had a lot of family support um, from my, my parents um, live locally. So it was, I was extremely lucky in that respect. I think mm. the only way they would have noticed it is me being more, short sharp you know angry with them but Mm. did I sit down and say mum I'm feeling really off you know is this normal I I didn't and I think this is where I was really looking for conversations like the ones we're having now around like okay well what are other people experiencing and give me the real stuff don't tell me yes Mm. we're all grateful yes our babies are beautiful you know yes it is an absolute blessing if you have a healthy beautiful baby like a hundred percent but it doesn't change the fact that your life has spun on its head it doesn't change the the fact that you may experience mental health issues around that, that you can't even really explain. And, you know, and so we need to talk about this more. And so that's where, you know, as I said, podcasts like ours, I've really a really good resource. Oh, and I think that they're just, they're becoming more and more popular and they're because they're so powerful because I think the last generation, and like I wanted to bring up the conversation with your mum is whether you did have a conversation with anyone, because I don't, I don't know about you, but I felt like I couldn't. You know, you talk about the big, the, the big, brave smile that you put on every day. And even in terms of breastfeeding, the first one I had, I had problems from, and, you know, she ended up on, um, you know, formula from three months or something. And I couldn't talk to anybody about it because I felt like the failure. And, oh, my mum had breastfed three babies, not a problem, blah, blah, blah. And so you feel like you can't sit there and open up because then you get judged. My first mother's group, it was judgment. And I actually stopped going because really? that's not why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. So it was one one upping each other, or what was the story? Definitely. Yeah. I, really? I feel as though back then, because I was quite young, back then it was a one upper. But um, I think now having these open conversations, whether it's on podcasts and just listening, so you can go, oh, I'm not involved, but <laughs> but yeah. I can relate. Um, or sitting around, you know, we've got a mad mums group. So we sit around and we talk about our, you know, the the vibe is, oh, not not um, you know, our kids are wonderful at this, that. We're like, oh God, did you just, you know, little Jimmy do this, or you know, yeah. do, like I'm I'm going, I'm having trouble with this. Are you can you relate? And it's just yeah. a, a non judgmental space I love that it's so important and I just think as you said I mean thank goodness maybe the culture around this is really changing um and you know we're trying to spearhead that spearhead that change as well with with podcasts like ours but yeah I just think yeah, we, you need that. Otherwise, you do feel very isolated. And and motherhood is quite isolating. And, and yes, you know, often yep. you and the barbs and that's yep. where early on, so isolating. Yes, so isolating. And I found as well, I don't have I didn't have time to jump on these Facebook groups and try to connect that way. For me, maybe it's my personal personality, but I for, it was so much easier just to whack in headphones, be standing around doing a million things with my hands and be listening. Yes. To 
A hundred percent. And I guess that's why I started this as well, because I like to do food prep and, and um, put my headphones in and yeah. listen or watch something and um, multitask. And it's kind of like me time. But yeah. at the same time, you're providing for your family. You're still doing something for your family or you're still working. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes, um, yes. So the other question is, uh, did it affect your relationship when you were going through this? Yeah. your relationship with your partner yeah so I think I was pretty fortunate in that Jules my husband is um I think he's got a pretty good level of compassion and empathy um so if anything I mean as I said I'm pretty good at being ice queen so mm. when I'm being ice queen and dragon mom and just kind of in my zone and trying to do a thousand things that you know in the one minute that I've got if anything that probably puts him off more and he kind of just tries to stay out of my way but as soon as I show a little bit of vulnerability it's like he's like oh there she is <laughs> yeah. I'm melting now and so yeah. at the time yes I was snappy but the crying obviously showed an element of vulnerability there so if anything he stepped into that role of carer or at least you know just being that supportive person for me which was very fortunate um to have but having said that the first time around for my first pregnancy when I experienced the prenatal for the very first time we didn't know what it was I was freaking out he was freaking out because he didn't know how to help me he didn't yeah. understand how what happened to his high energy you know love to be social partner like all of a sudden I was just not wanting to get out of bed so we actually saw um I was already seeing a therapist um I've always seen one on and off for basically my whole life um yeah. but at the time I was seeing one anyway and the therapist actually said why don't you bring Jules along with you to um to our session so that was quite eye-opening because it was the first time and I remember I was sitting there in the room and I was kind of a bit glazed over and I was a bit like this is so random that like Jules is sitting on the couch next to me in my space with my like my <laughs> My therapist like, what? But then I was in that sort of haze as well. And then so the therapist was asking, Jules, like, so how's, how's life been for you? You know, let's talk about you for a second. And he started off saying, look, I just don't know how to support Leonie. And then he kind of broke down. And at that minute, I remember looking at him and it was the first time he's actually showed a level of vulnerability as well because mm. he's trying to be so strong for me. And then all of a sudden someone's actually turned to him and said, how are you going? And he just said, I don't, yeah, I don't know what to do. I thought this was going to be a joyous occasion. What, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> you know, and I remember I was in such a zone that like if he broke down now with the state that I'm in back to, I guess, back to normal or back to my usual state, I would feel so like, you know, like heartbroken that, you know, we're in this position. But at the time I remember just looking at him and being like, oh, that's so annoying. Like, why? <laughs> like, like get a grip, mate. Like, as in, I was just, you know, no compassion. Yeah, and yeah. I'm so empathetic. No compassion, nothing. I was like, you have no idea what I'm going through. And I was just angry mixed with hazy mixed with I didn't mm. even want to be here I just want to go home and watch Netflix like you know yes. so it just, that's yes. what I mean by the difference between I guess a little bit of hormonal you know um implications to, and, like disassociation like yes. that is actually labeled as disassociation where you want to like numb your your life and your mind yes. and your heart basically of yes. this is I this isn't my reality I want to forget about it that's exactly mm, what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So look, 
after that session, um, she provided some some tips. I can't even remember what they were now. Oh, but one of them, which was really helpful, was I'm a bit of a foodie and I and I do love being social. I didn't really want to catch up with people necessarily at the time, but she said, how about try and do every Friday, just go somewhere together, whether that's the local tire place down the road. Let's try and get Leonie out a bit more. And so yes. we made a commitment to do that. And I remember often I'd sit there in the restaurant and initially I'm a bit disgruntled. I don't even want to be here, like annoying. Can't we just get Uber Eats, you know? And then I'm sitting there and after maybe 20 minutes, you know, I'm sort of, I started to sort of simmer and I'm like, okay, actually this is, this is good. You know, I needed this. So, yeah. you know, these little things like that, just little stepping stones that we'd have just to try and get things back on track for us um, was really yeah. helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes we have to do the things that we don't want to do to to actually realize, oh, this is this is good for me. It's actually what I needed. Yes. Yeah. And so um, when did you dive back into uh, property management? So, yeah, so more funnily enough, so as I mentioned to you, um, the property development stuff. So we build houses in um, in Melbourne. Um, my parents have sort of done that. Yeah, so it came from them. So it came from them. I would never wanted to be part of the family business. It was never an interest of mine. I didn't particularly like, I wasn't interested in property. So I went off and did consulting for a little while and things like that. And then eventually, I don't know, six years ago, I um, I was living in Sydney. I came back to Melbourne and I, in Sydney, I actually got a job with a property company, but doing more their business strategy, sort of more businessy aspect of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I came back, I was looking for work and then eventually my parents said, well, why don't you just do what you were doing for them? You don't have to go on the construction sites and stuff, but just essentially be like the in-house consultant for us. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll give it a year or so and then I'll move on with my life. But um, but yeah, so, but then I haven't. Obviously, six years later, I'm still very much involved in the family business. So to your point, um, I, I mean, you would know as well, when you've got a business and it's, look, it's not my business, but I guess I feel as though it's like my fourth sister because it's been around our whole life. Exactly. <laughs> it's still like, a different, like yeah, yeah, yeah different sort of associate. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, um, and so for that reason, even when I did have the bubs, and I did mention this to you in our interview, I felt like I couldn't let go of the work piece. And yeah, probably from an identity perspective, I was like, I just want to like be in touch with what's going on at work because at least I know that stuff and this baby stuff is really hard. And you know, so it was all always there and I'd always sort of check in honestly most days but sometimes it was just to delete emails that were not relevant to me but just something so I felt like myself again um yeah yeah I I don't know I think you were saying a similar thing as well with definitely yeah it was a distraction um as well from the hard stuff that you're actually doing at home and to feel like a piece of you um or identity that you were before and, and, you know, even when you look at it, you know, reflecting, you think, oh, why didn't I just sit there and enjoy the baby and enjoy the snuggles and stuff because it doesn't last long. But at the same time, when you're in it, you're like, oh, but, you know, this is hard. This is hard to sit in pain. You know, that's what it, that's what it is, isn't it? Because we all do it on some level, whether we're parents or not. If yeah. something is painful and it's bringing it up for us, we would go and distract ourselves with something else. Yeah. You know, that's when you do the most studying, I found. Yeah. You know, when I went through a divorce, I went um, went straight into personal training and did all my certificates and da, 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 da. oh, this is good. This, you know, this distracts me from pain. I don't have to feel that over there or we'll put that aside. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With emotions. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that that 
uh, you know, still going into the property, um, you know, driving into the business still while you were raising, you know, the babies quite young. Do you think that that was a good thing or a bad thing for your anxiety and depression? Yeah, look, I think with the way I operate in my mind, um, the chaos that exists in there, I needed that. And I think everyone's different. I actually get more anxious if I'm sitting around doing, you know, I say doing nothing, but yeah, sometimes even doing nothing. Like for me to sit down, oh, yeah. like I need to do something. I, I don't know, maybe maybe that's a mum thing now. <laughs> like mums <laughs> find it very difficult, right? To just sit there and look at the dirty dishes and look at the washing and that's in the machine. Oh yeah, you feel guilty, you feel shame, like bad mum. <laughs> exactly. So I think even just touching base every now and then with that, you know, with work <clears> even, <throat> it kind of kept me sane um, mm. and it kind of made me feel each day as though I was accomplishing something which now as, as I say that out loud it sounds ridiculous because I was looking after a newborn and that is like the biggest accomplishment in the world right that's what I'm talking about that's what I was saying before like why didn't we just sit in the we're, we're yeah. actually you know raising a human being why do mums do this to ourselves it's, why do we do that to ourselves like we're insignificant because we're at home with a baby yeah. oh that one but, I'm really passionate about oh such I mean like what else really is more important like is that spreadsheet that you're trying to bloody you know work through is that as important no. as, you know doing the nappies and the changing and the cuddles and the you know yeah. like living yeah. your life like you it's know absolutely ridiculous I don't know where we got this conditioning from because you know if I remember even feeling guilty when Pete came home from work one day and I'm lying on the lounge with my boobs out yeah. and I'd just been and you know the child's asleep yeah. and <laughs> And I'm just sitting there watching Housewives of Beverly Hills or something. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, you kind of yeah. feel like, oh, you know, maybe I should pretend I'm doing something. Yeah. <laughs> Please, I'm doing something. Yeah. <laughs> this is my job now. Like, you know. This is my job now. But uh, I don't even think it's them. I know. It's, it's I know. us that yeah. do it to ourselves. Yes yeah time and so I mean look at me I even started a bloody podcast when I was sitting so I was listening to that so my sister has a podcast production agency and she has this course around how to start your own podcast so okay. I was sitting there with my earphones in breastfeeding listening to mm. like module one how mm. to start your own podcast <laughs> because you know breastfeeding and looking after my six-week-old which just wasn't it's enough. not enough <laughs> that is not enough because you have a child attached to your boob that oh. is not enough. And you know what? Um, yeah. You wonder why people have mental health, like people I say myself yeah. have mental yeah. health issues mm -hmm. because that's not normal. Like, you know, back yeah. in the day, they would sit, yeah. you know, let's talk about my, you know, where my dad's from even, sit in your hut, you're you're looking after a human yeah. and that is so highly respected and that's mm -hmm. it. No phones. But you know what the difference no is about phone. that yeah. is that there isn't the technology, there isn't the social media, there isn't all of that pressure um on you should be doing way more and and looking at it or even listening to it going oh I'm not doing that oh I'm not keeping up with that oh it's just yes. crazy isn't it uh, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head there like the social media piece and 
you know, it's, I mean, I already have, there's such a big issue around com comparison, even as a child, it's like, oh, I had to have the things and I had to be at the party and I had to, yeah. you know, and oh, so. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm like that. Now I've got a 12 year old like that. Yeah, yeah. I think my six year old is becoming that as well, where I yeah. go, oh, I'm creating demons. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then like, we didn't have the phone to compare. Now we just pick up the phone and we're like, yeah. are we enough? Oh, is this yeah. enough? Are we constantly? You know? And you already constantly. have that. Um, in your head that's a negative self-talk yep. in your head anyway am I enough and then this is this is making you question it even more um, and I was listening to a great um, not a podcast but a live feed the other day on gut health and all that kind of thing and um, talking about how we used to sit around as a family and eat all meals mm. whereas these days and I'm guilty of myself I don't eat breakfast sitting down I eat breakfast standing up. I'm packing lunches. I'm getting making sure that the girls have their um, fresh food and, you know, everything like that. And even I'll do makeup what, if I'm finishing my breakfast and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So they're talking about digestion and, um, you know, like good for your mental health as well because your, your gut and your mind is, is connected. So if you're here stressing, trying to just shove some food in you rather than sitting down as a family, yeah. yeah. Um, I just thought that was really interesting too. But let's um, let's move forward to the actual. How did you know? What 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 strategies did you implement? And how did you know you were starting to feel better from this? Yeah. So I think it was a time piece as well for me. So obviously, as soon as I fell pregnant, I got in the haze, and the haze just kind of kicked on for a, probably for most of the first year for both children. I think for me. It was as the child, as my little one got a bit older and, and it wasn't just so newborn-esque and, you know, at seven months for both children, um, I took them to sleep school. And so probably when the sleep got under control mm -hmm. as well, I think, I mean, isn't that such a big thing when you're not sleeping? Yeah, it's everything. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No sleeping sent me oh. like cray cray yeah oh, absolutely so I think that when the sleep was under control you start kind of being able to get into a little bit more of a routine it's less ad hoc and again I'm that structured person that this whole I don't know when the baby's going to wake I don't know when I can go to the toilet I don't know like all this you know anxiety mm, around yeah, yeah. that's so interesting because I think I was yeah. the same yeah really yeah, yeah just yeah, not I, knowing like not knowing yeah not being like in to, control not being yeah. in control. you go to bed and you're like am I going to be sleeping for 15 minutes am I going to sleep for an hour <laughs> I need to know can someone just tell me please like you know <laughs> so yeah I, I always joke sleep. and say look if it was guaranteed that if I had a third um and that they slept yes no problem okay yes. you know the raising yeah. stuff yes it's hard yeah. but it's the sleep the and not knowing am I going to get yeah. woken up in the ins and outs and what oh. you know I, what we went through yeah. with that yeah so once the sleep started um yeah. getting under control you started to be able to think more clearly That's get hard. out of that being fog. able to Absolutely. And a big piece for me and really a self-care piece for me is socializing. I, I love to go for a dinner with my girlfriends or, you know, with, you know, Jules and uh, another couple. So as soon as the sleep was under control, I, we were able to get a babysitter to come in because guess what? The little one slept. So babysitter yeah. just sat, sat downstairs, watched Netflix. We were able to go out for a meal with other people. I was out to, I was able to sort of start feeling like my pre-baby self in a way. And yeah. from a mental health perspective, that really supported me. Um, and also being 
able to get back into my exercise and things like that. So mm. I guess my hot tips would really be think about those things that you used to love to do before you had bugs and, and really try to carve out the, or at least prioritize that. I know it's not easy because we're time poor and things like that, but as much as possible, I think that that's really what saved me. Um, Definitely. And um, I, I want to put a point in there that and not feel shame or guilt around that, that that's okay Absolutely. to want to do um, things for you. Like yes. you just you had a baby and yes, I'm sure you you care for them um, as best as you possibly can. But then caring for them means that caring for you first. And if going out with your girlfriends, you know, once a couple of weeks or going on date nights, like we have a deal, you know, forever dating, like yeah. when we get 80 and whatever forever yeah. dating you know yeah. so organize date nights organize mum's nights out and all that kind of thing mum's gone wild I think that that's a great yeah. title for <laughs> or even just going to the gym and exercising yeah. and stuff doing yeah. and, and and prioritizing eating well and all that kind of thing that's okay you're allowed to have that side of you as well Yes. And I think one thing that I struggled with was um, because I was working from home, oh, I had a level of flexibility, which I was very fortunate with my job. Obviously, um, my parents and my boss. So they were like, dude, you do you with the kid and whatever you can do, work whatever hours you need. So I understand that was an absolute privilege. But what that did mean is I was, I was just, yeah, working at odd hours. I had a nanny to support me. And um, I would feel guilty if I asked the nanny to stay on for one extra hour, which was like 20 or 25 bucks, so that mm. I could go for a walk around the block or get to the gym. But it was yeah. okay for me to have her stay for the extra hour if I was working, you know, so yeah. it comes right. down to that whole thing about prioritising yourself. Like mm. why did I feel guilty for $20 to go and do something that was going to set me up for the, the rest of the day and maybe even make me feel good tomorrow even because I went for that run or I did that thing that was just for me why do we feel guilty but we don't feel guilty if it's you know slaving away over our laptops trying yeah, to get that, done for work it's going yeah. to produce money yeah yeah that money yeah. is a big one yeah it is and I think we all have that whether we're mums dads or adults or whatever we have that conditioning right now and I think we really need to bring that back because at the end of the day when you are you know um, referenced when we're 80 years old mm. are we going to sit back and go oh god I'm so glad that I put you know 50 hours a week into work and you know forgot about spending time for looking after myself and forgot about you know making that connection time with my kids and oh. uh, is that is that what we're going to be thinking about then or Absolutely. yeah the other thing is you know preventative prevention is the best way to go right because yeah. let me tell you a therapist ain't cheap and that <laughs> is you know being in the hospital because of xyz happened to you or having to see naturopaths like every other day because your gut's destroyed or you know prevention that dollars yeah. could have yeah. potentially you know set me up uh, in a much better way than me just ignoring myself and mm. then and then where do you end up you know yeah, I was thinking about this yesterday, like I went to the gym and then I went for the walk to pick up the kids from school. And, you know, after you go to the gym and you feel on a high and you've got yeah. these endorphins running and your thoughts are going through your head. And I was thinking about how, um, you know, you might miss that. You might be rushing through life, right? You're so busy. You're trying to work. You're trying to raise the kids. So you skip a meal here, you skip workouts here and also, um, uh, and and all that kind of thing instead of actually 
sitting back and and going okay I'm going to take the time out for me to prioritize that workout I'm going to take two hours out of the um you know every four days or five days or whatever to prep some really healthy meals for me and my family so I don't skip meals and I do prioritize the workouts and I do take care of my health because in the long run I'm um, less likely to get run down I'm less likely to get sick and then I'm no good to anybody that's right but um but if I'm going around and skipping meals and going, oh, everything else is so much more important, uh, you end up getting sick, you end up getting run down, and you're and you're no good. That's so right. it's it's really thinking about the long term, isn't it? Absolutely. Seeing instead of in the day to day. And you need to be reminded, and this is where, again, maybe, you know, people listening to conversations like this, I know it certainly supports me even just having this conversation now. I'm like, oh, yep, get back on track with that, you know, because we do get so caught up in the whirlwind that is life that you don't sit back and go, oh, Jesus, should I, you know, or you just quickly make decisions around what's going to make you more productive today. I put those couple of emails out. That'll just be easier because then tomorrow I won't have to worry about that. So I just won't go for the run today because, of you know, those couple of emails emails and there's so know, much more important yeah yeah you make the snap decisions so mm. I think what's great is just pulling yourself out of that whether that's listening to a podcast having a one minute meditation where you sit there and focus on your breathing and then reassess your decisions that you're making for that day um because as you said Ooh, it's yeah. setting yourself up for success in the long term yeah so so powerful and I love how you use that word support um I'm really into like angel cards and oh, you know and crystals and all that kind of thing yeah. and I every time I have a podcast I pull out a card of what um, is the message that we need to get across today and it was support oh no way oh my god goosebumps that's awesome yeah so our conversation here today I think is that um, us mamas we need to make sure that we all support each other in this and having these beautiful conversations about it's okay to have these feelings and it's okay to look after yourself um, and it's normal for anxiety, prenatal depression, postnatal depression. It's normal to feel overwhelmed and all that kind of thing. But um, if we all come from a place of support rather than judgment, um, yeah, I think that's the message today. Oh, I love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else that you would like to add um, before? We leave, we leave it, we'll wrap well, it up. Um, yeah, I mean, firstly, thank you so much for having me on and I love what you're doing and I love your message. So, um, yeah, you. wishing you all the best with this endeavour. Um, as you mentioned, I do have a podcast myself, the Parenthood Podcast. Um, so we t- explore sort of the the what happens behind closed doors when it comes to parenthood um, and people's experiences and challenges around that. So often um, I get couples on the show, so you get sort of both mum and dad's perspective perspective on a certain topic um, and so that's been really great so if anyone wants to check us out it's the parenthood podcast um, and also um, every alternate um, episode myself and my bestie for uh, Liv who also has two toddlers um, we will talk about a challenge that we're experiencing in our daily lives so it's a good combination awesome. yeah. and chatting about their challenges and then Liv and I a little bit more light-hearted talking about our um, challenges as Melbourne mums so something to check out if you are interested in hearing more people's stories um, in this area yeah absolutely and I was even telling a mum the other week about how you have both mums and dads 
dads on there to get both perspectives or both yeah. partners. Yeah. Um, and, and she loves that as well. So I, I really love what you're doing. And I think it's really important as well because we, we, we do sort of forget about the dads as well and the involvement um, in the partners and how they're receiving a life. So in your, you live on um, Instagram, it says, and you are the Parenthood Pod, isn't it? Yeah, Parenthood Pod. And if anyone yeah, at the Parenthood there- Pod. Yes, at the Parenthood Pod. And if anyone out there has a really interesting story and, you know, is, is uh, you know, a challenge they experienced as parents, please, you know, reach out to us on Instagram. I'm always looking for, uh, yeah, different awesome stories to bring to our community. So, yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much again. <laughs> listening to another episode of hey mama you can find all the relevant links including socials in the description section of this podcast if you want to find out more information about how i can help you build your best body after babies then visit my website www.thefitmummethod.com for more info lastly before you leave here today if you've enjoyed listening then please subscribe and share so you can help me to reach out to those mamas that also need to listen too